just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your This is In The Zone, your home for Solana Sports Talk. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. On 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. That is a disgusting act. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. Now, here's the host of your show, Jackson Schneider. What is up? Welcome into In the Zone today here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on the FM side of things. Jackson Schneider and James Wessling with you here today, a Monday edition of the show. And uh, James, it's been a pretty newsy last week or so. Uh, so I feel like we got to play a little bit of catch up on a Monday. Some of the bigger stories that have popped up here in the last few days. Uh, so let's let's start there. We've got a, a full show coming uh, to talk about, though, by the way, before I, we get into the headlines. Steve Wilson, Salina native, former K-Dub AD, uh, and now William Woods University AD is going to join us. They've recently announced that they're going to uh, add football and flag football programs to their campus. So we'll talk about that process with Steve a little bit later. And I also have some Andy Reid and Sean Payton audio as well from NFL training camp for the Chiefs and Broncos. Uh, but... As I said, James, headlines, big news stuff. What's the one that caught your eye this weekend? Well, mine's not really uh, news-type headline, so I'll save my big three, if you will, for here in just a little bit. It all has to do with the fact that I finally went and got Phil Steele's College (laughs) Football Preview Magazine yesterday and found some fascinating nuggets surrounding KU and K-State that weren't just on their team pages. They were part of a much larger discussion. Um, So I want to get your thoughts on those. But first, I guess I'll start with, you know, when I search Chiefs news, it's all about Chris Jones and his holdout. He was on that franchise tag last year. But the thing that has always kind of bothered me about Chris Jones, I know that his teammates love him, but he's sending out these cryptic tweets and really almost like daring the Chiefs' upper management and organization to not come to a deal with him. And I, I don't know. I've just He's done this before when he wanted his big contract towards the tail end of his rookie year running out. And uh, it just always kind of rubs me the wrong way. You know, he's holding out. He's not there with his teammates. He wants the money. Uh, and I just the cryptic tweets I don't love. So that's really the the first headline. I know that today is day eight of Chiefs camp, but the Chris Jones drama continues. Oh. Would be my yeah, personal he's, headline. He's had he's averaging like one of those tweets a day. Right. By the way, uh, earlier I think it was yeah yesterday he tweeted like Happy Sunday, and then Saturday he said This too shall pass, yep. and then D P O Y in quotes with some ellipses after it. So he's he's trying to stir that pot. Definitely, that saga will be worth monitoring. His fine, by the way has reached $550,000 for holding out. Now, that's jump change to him. But I I don't know. You know, I say that, maybe it's not. Like, I know these guys make a ton of money. A lot of it goes to taxes. $550,000 is not just a drop in the bucket. And that's a lot of change to not be there. 
I uh, my big headline is a Kansas City pro team as well, but on the baseball side of things, which is hilarious because I have unmistakably gone out of my way to avoid talking all things Royals for the last m- m- two, three months. It's been a long time. I, it's not worth talking about most of the time, but they did. They swept the Twins this weekend. Um, it made me incredibly poor because my business model of just betting against <laughs> the Royals every day uh, was going to catch up to me eventually. And and when they won two in a row, then yesterday I was like, well, there's no way they sweep. It's just impossible. But they did. Uh, but that's actually not the big story. It's the fact that they made a trade right after the game. And they are sending infielder Nicky Lopez to the Atlanta Braves to kind of rescue him from the sinking ship that is the Royals and get him on a contending team. Um, but it's the return that is getting a lot of attention because it is bad. <laughs> um, the Royals get just one player. It is left-handed pitcher Taylor Hearn, who started the year uh, with the Rangers and pitched one major league, or actually four major league games with the Rangers and has pitched one major league game with Atlanta and has spent most of the year in the minors. Uh, his major league earned run average this year, James, is 14.7. So, that's great. Not great. No, <laughs> certainly not, but that's what the Royals got for a, a pretty solid defender in Nicky Lopez. He'll never be the guy to knock the cover off the ball, but he's a plus defender and was a... a Welcome fan addition to the Royals the last several years. So I'm a little bummed with that one. Wish there was a little more in return. But when you are a team scraping the bottom of the barrel for talent as it is, you got to make deals and get them when you can. So that's my Royals headline from the weekend. I like it. At least there's a few wins in there. That's good for everybody here within this this radio group. Um, All right, so I'll dive into some of my Phil Steele stuff because I wasn't with you at Big 12 Media Days, so I'm kind of playing catch-up in terms of just getting amped up for college football. I think I know my first two games uh, for ESPN coming up in the fall, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm all in, Jackson. But I'll start with K-State, and this this is a nugget that didn't shock me. Their schedule this season is much tougher than Mm -hmm. it was last year. Uh, I think we all knew that. But I didn't necessarily realize just how much tougher it was. K-State had the 51st strength of schedule last season after all the games were played. This year, going into the season, they have the 15th toughest schedule in the country. So they jumped 36 spots, one of the largest jumps in the nation. Phil Steele has a, a category for teams that make a, a leap in strength of schedule and what they do the next year. And I don't remember the exact formula, but I remember the, the result. 86% of the teams that he points out have the same or worst record the next year. Now, for K-State, that's not the end of the world. A same or worse record would still be a very good season. I mean, they won the Big 12 championship last year. And I think it's unrealistic to think K-State would have a better record than they had a season ago. But it did kind of stand out to me that, oh, K-State's on this list. Now, there were other teams that I think are going to have a huge drop-off next season that were on the list as well, including TCU, uh, which Phil Steele thinks is going to be – he thinks they're going to be about uh, where I have them, a seven-ish win team. Um, so that, that would be my nugget there. 
as it pertains to K-State. Phil Steele still loves K-State, thinks they're a really good, well-rounded football team, probably more balanced than last year. Treshawn Ward, the new running back, is a top 40 NFL draft prospect uh, uh, at that position. But the strength of schedule, it's going to be a lot tougher this year for the Cats. I'm glad you mentioned that. Speaking K-State and KU, the Maxwell Award watch list came out actually earlier this morning, and Will Howard is on that list. The Maxwell Award is college football's best player. It's it's kind of like the Heisman, it's just not the Heisman. Um, but he was not the only in-state player on that list. KU had actually two players on that list. Jalen Daniels, and then Devin Neal, which I found to be pretty interesting. I think both of them are great players, but I thought, you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. You get mostly quarterbacks in there, and it's true, but to get a running back in the mix, it's also kind of caught my eye as well. So uh, there's your your bonus K-State KU headline to go along with that, because I didn't know about that scheduling jump, by the way. So that has me intrigued as well. But James, to piggyback on that, can I give you a funny one? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, You know I like to make fun of Nebraska football. And Iowa State. Who doesn't? Yeah. There's actually probably a pretty lengthy list of teams I like to make fun (laughs) of. But those are the the top two. But Nebraska defensive back... uh, Miles Farmer has been suspended indefinitely for a failure to adhere to team standards, according to Matt Rule, their head coach. Uh, This is a guy who was suspended against Michigan last year for suspicion of DUI. So a guy with a bit of a checkered past. He was not listed on the 120-man roster when fall camp practices began uh, for Nebraska over the weekend, Uh, but it's a guy that's supposed to be one of their better players in their defensive secondary, and now nobody really knows if he'll be back, when he'll be back, etc. But the funny note is on the offensive side of the ball for Nebraska, and it's a note in addition to this story. Matt Rule announced that a newcomer to the Nebraska roster, wide receiver uh, transfer from Baylor, Josh Fleeks, reportedly arrived to training camp significantly overweight. And so his punishment from Matt Rule is that he will be held out of practices until he makes his weight. James, the catch-22 here is that if you want a guy to drop weight, wouldn't you want him to be physically exercising like constantly, say, I don't know, in football practice? Right. <laughs> so I don't know why that punishment fits, but Josh Fleeks will be held out of Nebraska football practice until he can make his weight. Now, so. when you told me this off the air, I laughed really hard. But I got to thinking, he's being held out of practice. That doesn't mean he's not being held out of a workout. That's true. I bet they're putting him through the ringer. With the strength and conditioning staff trying to get him to a weight where he May, can practice, I, I would hope so. I just like if you're going to give him those workouts, yeah, I know you're and, thinking like make him work really do hard it on your own, you know. Yeah. Also, make him do the practice stuff because then when he does make his weight, he's going to be he's, behind. He's not going to know what the heck's going on. Totally, agree. he's already a transfer. He's yeah. already behind. It's a new coach, new system, transfer. I'm with you, but I get yeah, it. it's a funny. 
funny haha story for me uh, at the expense of Nebraska football, who I will go on record as saying I think will be much, much better this year. And I'm a big Matt Rule fan. So even though I like to make fun of Nebraska, I can say nice things about the Cornhuskers, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, do you have any other headlines? I have one more that re- pertains to our next segment on our way out. OK, here. yeah, then I'll, I'll lump mine together. Um and I know you have the Phil Steele magazine and had them on the air <laughs> yep. last week. So I don't know if you got into all this this analytical stuff that's at the, the beginning of the magazine. So he also has a chart, and it charts all 100, and I think there's about 150 now, maybe uh, close to that, FBS programs in college football. And he charts the teams that have the most experience coming back. And he uses a bunch of formulas. It's not just the guys that, you know, he, he takes transfers into consideration yeah. and, and all this stuff. You know who the most experienced team in the nation is? The Kansas Jayhawks. The Kansas Jayhawks. Why are we yep. so low on KU? I, I just, I look now, like K State, they have a schedule jump, it's tougher. I get it. But they weren't getting blown out last year, even when Jalen Daniels went down and they had the tough part of their uh, of their schedule. Uh, I just think that yeah, I've got them at eight and four. I'm sticking with that. I think they're an eight and four football team. They have like 93 percent of their production total across yeah. the board, from quarterback to kicker, coming back. And I just think that they're going to make another step forward. And it's it's I want to say it's one of the only teams in the country that has its head coach, its offensive and defensive coordinator, and like I want to say the majority of the positions coaches back as well. They have like the least staff turnover of any team in the nation as well, which yeah. is very significant well, too. They also have two top twenty tackles in college football. He ranks yeah. every player in their position. One of them was just outside the top 10. Now, K-State's got one in Cooper Beebe, who's listed as a guard, and he's the second-best guard in the country. He'll be a first-round NFL draft pick or close to, but KU has two NFL-ready tackles as well, protecting both sides uh, wow. for Jalen Daniels. So that was my other nugget. That's that's an important nugget. We'll probably talk a lot more in-depth about that, too. Now that they started fall camp this morning, uh, but we'll talk a lot more college football to come in the next few weeks because we are finally through the through July. College football is here. It's August. August it's time tomorrow. to hit the ground running. Um, but uh, my last note is that the Chiefs and the Broncos, uh, it's looking like, have both been hit with a season-ending inju- injury in training camp. Chiefs defensive back Nazi Johnson tore his ACL over the weekend. Andy Reid confirmed that was the injury, so he is done for the year. This morning, Tim Patrick was injured at Broncos training camp, wide receiver for the Broncos, in a non-contact injury, and Sean Payton said it is reportedly an Achilles which does not sound good for Tim Patrick. Uh, but uh, we'll hear from Sean Payton and from Andy Reid in our next segment. But uh, do want to remind you before we take the the break here that In the Zone is powered by Spartan Roofing and Exteriors. They specialize in roofing, guttering, siding windows, and doors for both commercial and residential work. You can visit them online at SpartanRoofingAndExteriors.com to schedule your free inspection or project consultation today. In the 
Zone today here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on the FM dial as we continue moving along through a fun Monday show. A lot to catch up on uh, throughout the headlines and things going on in the world, uh, but uh, football. Football is the focus. It's always the focus. It's the leader in the clubhouse um, in terms of interest, and I, especially selfishly, like I love football. I'll talk football anytime, but we've got a lot to catch up on football-wise and training camp-wise, um, both for the Chiefs and the Broncos. Sean Payton and Andy Reid met with the media over the weekend and talked about some things that caught some attention. So let's start with some Chiefs audio. Uh, the big story surrounding the Chiefs right now is that they're not they're not the healthiest. They've got a few injuries that have popped up. Andy kind of glossed over some of them, but uh, let, let's let's take a listen to how he started his press conference yesterday morning as he addresses some of those injury and illness concerns. And then we'll let's unpack that in just a second. So here's Andy Reid from his press conference yesterday. All right, fellas and ladies, um, we've got uh, really the same people that were injured. Uh, Clyde was sick, so we kept him out. Um, Nazi tore his ACL, which you know. Um, Dana calf, forts and shoulder. Um, Isaiah Moore, knee, he's going to have knee surgery. Um, and then uh, KT is making progress. And that's really it. Nothing happened today. Um, so... Uh, Good work today. It's our longest practice. So today was a two-hour 25 practice. Um, guys pounded through it. They did a nice job of competing, finishing strong. Uh, back and forth, which is good. Offense, defense, special teams got good work in today. So. All right, there you go. The injuries, they're kind of piling up. He, he doesn't sound all that concerned. And so I guess for, for one that's that's a good sign, right? Like if your head coach isn't all that concerned about the injury situation, then you should be fine. But it's training camp and teams deal with injuries and you hate the non-contact ones. Like Nazi Johnson was a really promising defensive back. Part of the Chiefs' strength right now defensively is the youth and the talent within that youth in their defensive secondary. And to lose a guy like that to injury... Um, especially in ACL, to just his season is just kaput, done, and uh, taken away like that, and that's always unfortunate. But uh, other than that, it doesn't sound like anything super serious. There's a couple other guys that uh, play lesser roles that are going to be out some extended time. He said KT, so Kadarius Tony is making progress, and that's the big one. Everybody's starting to think he okay, he should be able to be good either by the end of training camp or very early in the regular season. The the goal, obviously, is to get him back by the start of the regular season. And so that's positive to hear as well. Uh, but a, a good start there when you hear a, a laundry list of injuries like that. For the Kansas City Chiefs, it can obviously be pretty concerning. But why don't we listen further to another thing just to fast forward a little bit a couple questions later Andy Reid was actually specifically asked about Nazi Johnson and what he meant to the defense and what you know that whole situation is like so here's some more Andy Reid specifically about Nazi Johnson yeah Nazi was playing good football now we got you know we've got some other guys that, that can play there but he's a good specialties player and he's a, he's a good corner I mean he's really developed over the years so 
you know, it's too bad that it happened. He's got a good attitude about it, and he'll get back when he can get back. You know. <laughs> well, there you go, right? Like, short and sweet, to the point. Stinks. He was playing well. He's developed really nicely. He's got a positive attitude about it, and we'll move on. He Andy gives you less than 15 seconds on that situation. So, um, personally, I think based on that answer, I know that's a very Andy Reid-esque answer, but... That should be that should be no real concern. If he's if he's only putting fifteen seconds of thought into that, like he's fine. It's they're gonna be fine. He's not concerned. Like that's a that's a season ender. It sucks. But you gotta move on. There's nothing you can do to change it. No magic potion or athletic trainer that's gonna, you know, do some mumbo jumbo to get him back on the field tomorrow. So no dwelling on it. You just got to, you know, next man up, on on we go. Uh, but that's Andy Reid there, uh, obviously, again, about uh, Nazi Johnson. Another area, though, that Andy Reid was asked to address is some of the, I, th- I think it's called, like the, Nate Taylor was the one that asked the question. I think he used the word chippiness. Um, but if, you've, if you're on social media, you've seen the last two days, there have been some clips that have come out of Chiefs camp for some scuffles and like specifically Travis Kelsey um, throwing a punch or two um, towards other guys in certain drills. I think a lot of it has to do with, obviously, they're competitive SOBs. That's what they do. They go out there, they compete. That's why they're on uh, you know NFL rosters. Um, and they get a little chippy. They get a little frustrated. It's hot. They're working hard. Uh, but uh, Andy Reid didn't seem to be too concerned about that situation either. We got new guys, so we got new guys, and everybody's competing. And uh, I'm okay with chippy. That's all right. You know, you got to have an edge, and uh, and then you got to maintain that. So it's it's well and good when it's one practice one and two, but you got to keep you know you got to keep challenging each other as it goes through. Do you think Travis even needed to say anything publicly yesterday? Well, he's one, you know he's one of our team leaders, so um, he felt it, and so he did. Yeah, that's all right. I'm just glad that, you know that old that he's got some juice left in him. <laughs> did, you have any, did you have a message for him after yesterday's? Uh, he he grabbed me and, and said it to me. So yeah, you know he gets it. He understands. See, that's a very football coachy answer, right? Like you like to see the chippy, you like to see the competitiveness. Uh, you got to maintain that energy, but you got to, you know, manage it a little bit. He didn't seem concerned at all, and I don't think anybody should be. Obviously, people on social media are going to take that clip entirely out of context and try to use it to start a fire or a storm somewhere where there's not one. But there are guys out there competing. You know, it is what it is. No big deal. Uh, Travis understand it. You know. Straight from Andy Reid's mouth, right? He understands what he's got to do. He understands what's going on out there. He apologized and took accountability for it. Said, I got to be a better teammate. Whatever. Life goes on. It's football. Keep playing. What have you. I don't think that's anything to worry about. And uh, I think that things are just progressing as you would probably expect. I mean, there's a chippiness, a competitive edge in all those guys. And I think that's why they won the Super Bowl, right? Like that. That attitude is infectious. It drives the others around them, makes them a good football team. So, you know, every once in a while, a guy's going to get a little too competitive, a little too chippy. But that's okay. You reel it back in real quickly, make them hold it, hold themselves accountable, hold each other accountable. Life goes on, you know, no big, no real reason for concern there, you know. So, uh, basically, all those remarks from Andy Reid uh, on 
yesterday morning to me, you know, he's just kind of, you know, going with the flow. They're early in camp still. They've still got a couple weeks before their first preseason game, as he mentioned, you know. They've got time to, to get a lot of things worked out and figured out. And, you know, I, I think things progressing totally fine. There's no no reason for concern if you are a Chiefs fan whatsoever. Now, though, let's flip this to the other side, right? Like Broncos side of things. They also had some some clips that have taken off and gotten some buzz. And again, I don't think this is too much to really draw that much into. But Sean Payton uh, basically sounded off on Nathaniel Hackett. And, you know, the struggles that the Broncos had last season. And he was he was very, very candid, very open. Uh, but a lot of people did not like that. You know, feel like Nathaniel Hackett, who's long since out the door, has, is catching strays. And obviously, if you didn't know, I shouldn't say obvious, I guess. So some people may not know. But Nathaniel Hackett is like Aaron Rodgers' dude. His, like, guy. Day one guy. People thought that the reason that Nathaniel Hackett was brought into Denver in the first place was to get Aaron Rodgers to go there. Uh, matter of fact, so he thinks very highly of Nathaniel Hackett. So, so Aaron Rodgers then responded by sounding off on Sean Payton for sounding off on Nathaniel Hackett. So very interesting. But uh, the Broncos' current head coach, Sean Payton, uh, owned his his answer and, and kind of gave a little more light and, and context behind that answer. Uh, so here he is kind of responding to that whole situation. Yeah, listen, I had I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and, and not my coaching hat on. And, uh, you know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran. Um, you know, stepping in it and, uh, you know, it was, it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake. Obviously I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys and and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year. And, and, you know, I said what I said, and, and obviously I needed a little bit more, uh, restraint and, uh, I regret that. Um, that being said, what I told the team is, you know, if it can happen, and I, I'm th- I think I'm pretty good relative to working with the media and, and pretty savvy, and I just had one of those moments. Jared's a good friend, uh, real good at his job, and uh, two lattes in the morning, first first one I see, and 40 minutes later, I'm, I'm regretting it. So uh, it is what it is. It is what it is, he said, you know. He, he says he regrets it, you know. I understand that completely. Sometimes you say things you don't necessarily either mean or, or you don't mean them to to take off the way they did. Uh, I, I don't think he anticipated the blowback from his candid answers about that whole situation. Um, but he, he's regretful, you know. Sometimes you say things you shouldn't, and, you you know, there's you can't take it back. You can say you regret it, but it is what it is. got to move on and... Um, you know, very interesting uh, comments. And I, I think I talked about it a little bit last week in some of the audio we had from Sean Payton. I really enjoy him he, in the media, his answers that he gives. I, I do think he is very media savvy. I don't think he gives away too much. I think he's he's well-versed in kind of answering the tough questions while also not over-giving, you know, not giving too much of the answers. I, I gave him credit for, at times, kind of shutting 
things down and saying that's all I'll say on a given subject. And, and you know, we all make mistakes. I totally get it. He said something he should have. He, he owned up to that. He's, I think he's he does kind of regret it. I, I think he's sorry. But, again, you know, it's out there. There's nothing you can do now but move on. So, indeed, it is what it is. But from a actual football side of things for the Denver Broncos, running back is an interesting uh, situation for them. They've got several that they're currently rostering for training camp, trying to build that position group up and maybe take a little heat off of Russell Wilson a little bit. If you can run the ball efficiently with a running back in the NFL, obviously, it's a lot less productive that you like production, I should say, that you need from your quarterback. And as much as he still will need to take gigantic steps forward for this team to get better this year, it would certainly be a lot helpful, a lot more helpful if the uh, the running backs would step up as well. So here are uh, Sean Payton's thoughts on the running back room and how it's come along right now. Yeah, you make a good point. We're we're in this phase still. So we've yet to see any of these players with pads on. I've seen Tony because we had him in New Orleans. Um, And so I tell the coaches all the time, let's not, you know, be instant evaluators. Let's be, let's be slow to judge. Let's rotate these guys through with the first and second, third groups. Let's not, you know, get stuck on where we think guys might be. And then gradually we'll have a chance. Right now it's, what are you doing? Do you know how to get lined up? Do you understand what we're doing so that when you do have the pads on and we're in those preseason games or scrimmages that, because it's hard to evaluate someone if if they're having trouble learning what to do or if they're slow to do it. And so um, it is a little early, but they're they're certainly bright, willing to learn. They're working hard. Um, That's kind of where they're at. So obviously, still probably a ways to go with the development of several of the the running backs in that room. But, you know, likes where they're at right now. Still pretty early in that process. But uh, running back would certainly be an area that uh, could be utilized to take some of that weight off of Russell Wilson's shoulders. Especially after some unfortunate news that was received by the Broncos earlier today. Um, A wide receiver injury. That certainly doesn't help. Uh, Tim Patrick, it's reported that he was carted off the field today with a left leg injury. It's a non-contact injury, uh, which often means not the best. Uh, Sean Payton did say that there's fear that it was an Achilles injury, which may uh, potentially end his season entirely. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, but we got to get to a break. When we come back, I've got a great, great guest, great guest, if I could talk, try to get rid of my tongue-tied issue uh, before this interview. But uh, after this break, we're going to be joined by Steve Wilson, the athletics director of William Woods University in Fulton, Missouri. He is a Salina native, formerly the AD here at Kansas Wesleyan, good friend of mine. And uh, he's doing some pretty big things with his new position uh, that I want to talk about. So very fun and and, uh, be sure to tune into that. It's next here on In the Zone. Welcome back 
to In The Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL, 106.7 on the FM dial. Jackson Schneider joined by a good friend of mine and a friend of the Salon area, local guy Steve Wilson, the Athletics Director, William Woods University in Fulton, Missouri, uh, formerly Kansas Wesleyan here in the area. But Steve, we want to bring you back. We miss you around these areas. I don't get to talk to you near as much, and you're doing some pretty cool things in your new gig, so I have to bring you back on when I can get you. So thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, Jackson. I, I got to say, I miss Salina. Um, a lot of great people, a lot of great friends. Get back when I can, but uh you're right. So many cool things going on in mid-Missouri that um, it's uh, it's an exciting time. You were in town for a golf tournament, right? Did you play in the county four-ball thing? Yeah, I played with uh, Chris Locke, so shameless plug for for uh, Mr. Locke and Locke Insurance. But, uh, yeah, we played, uh, played three days of uh, relatively warm golf, had a lot of fun, and, um, you know, three of the best golf courses in the state. And, uh, absolutely the best uh, golf community in the state of Kansas. So um, great to get back, see some friends, and and uh, and play those three great tracks. Nice. It's, I, I bet it was a little warm, a little too warm for me <laughs> to be out there the last uh, week or so. So you're braver than I. Yeah, you know, those those courses do a great job. The folks at the Country Club, Muni, and, and, uh, and Great Life do a phenomenal job of, you know, keeping, uh, keeping cold liquid beverages in front of you. But, um, yeah, there's just <laughs> – at some point, it's uh, it's it's just darn hot, and you uh, you go out there and bear it. Well, I hope your new office has a nice air conditioner because I know you're working hard. <laughs> you got to stay cool and a good frame of mind because all these big things you've put into motion here recently are, are long projects. It's not a one day thing to to build a football program or a flag football program or the other things that you've added here in your time with William Woods in a short amount of time. But but let's start with that. How did you come? To, to the conclusion that adding football was the right move for William Woods and, and how you kind of went about getting that thing started? Yeah, you know, I think that was part of the interview process, truthfully, at, at William Woods. There are some, um, there's some bright-minded administrators. We've got some, some folks that uh, our president, Dr. Jeremy Moreland, and then um, Dr. Ted Blashek, our, our uh, chief student experience officer, they're both – um, St. Thomas University. They've got some St. Thomas University background. They were administrators there. Um, they started football down there, um, and they're wildly successful. They were they they were a team that uh, was knocking on the door of the NAI playoffs last year, just five years in. Um, we've also got some some administrators on staff. Andy Otto, uh, Casey Weeder, both work with me pretty closely. They're both Ottawa University guys. So, um, you know, we we know what we know what drives enrollment. Um, you got to do it within reason. Uh, but football is one of those drivers. And then, um, you know, flag football, women's flag football is, is such an emerging sport and, and it's catching so much attention. We want to be a part of that. Um, and we want to be a part of that in the Midwest. And so, um, you know, but but it's it, it was important for us to set expectations, set timeline. And, and we really started that work uh, from about the minute I was offered the job in, in December and um, you know, early meetings in January, we were talking football, we were talking, how do we do this? And then, um, you know, we've got some backing, we've got, uh, we've got some community folks and some folks in the state that, that are just really excited to see us play. They're really excited to, to see us be successful. Um, and so, you know, timing is right. We, we are in growth mode and um, it, it's, it's time to get it going in mid-Missouri. 
Again, Steve Wilson is our guest, Salina native, current AD at William Woods University in Missouri. Now, the the most I would argue the most important thing about building a football program is is finding the right coach to start with, right? You got to have somebody that's going to kind of be in it for the long haul and want to build that thing from the ground up. So tell me, how did you go about that decision in making your first hire and making sure it was a guy that was going to be the right one to, to start with that first real building block? Yeah, you know, uh, coaching searches are um, unique. Each and every one of them is going to be a little bit different. Um, and, and arriving on Julian Mendez, the, the guy just fits. He fits our culture. He fits our, our want-to attitude. Um, he's willing to, to dig in, roll his sleeves up, and, and he's already recruiting. You know, we've got visits starting tomorrow with, uh, with, with football players for, for the following year. Um, you know, it was, we, we did, we did interview, um, you know, we had, we had three can- candidates that came to campus. Um, you know, what we liked about Julian was, uh, one, he's got some, some familiarity coaching the game in this area. Um, he was the associate head coach at Ottawa university at one point, um, uh, he's got Texas high school roots. Uh, he, he came to us from Odessa High School, so out in a, a pretty fertile ground for for, for high school football. Um, and and you know, it's just it's it's the network he brings. We've also brought on our first assistant coach. Um, our defensive coordinator is going to be a familiar name to the state of Kansas. He's already announced it on Twitter, so I don't feel bad putting it out there. But but Stephen Dudley from Fort Hayes State will join us as our uh, as our defensive coordinator. So. Um, you know, we've got good recruiting ground between those two guys. We'll add two more to the staff um, after the season's over. We're going to keep other coaches on the field and, and kind of evaluate who we'll bring in. But it, it's about fit. It's about culture. It's We can't bring in um, an individual who doesn't matter how good a football coach they are. If they're not going to mesh with the rest of our staff, um, and we've got a pretty strong staff here at William Woods, so um, if they don't mesh with that group, uh, it's just not going to work. And, and we knew uh, from the minute Julian was on campus, uh, we knew he was the guy. And then likewise with Coach Dudley, um, we, we knew we knew what kind of what kind of strong staff we had in those two guys. Well, I want to talk about that, the culture that you're building within that whole athletics department, because you've made mm-hmm. a handful of, of hires, you know, some some big ones. You had to hire a men's basketball coach pretty early in your tenure there as well. So what is it exactly that you're looking for in that culture, in that fit, when you're making hires to make sure that you're not only hiring someone that's going to, you know, win in their respective sport, but help you as your athletic department continues to grow, win as well. Yeah, we've got to win in four buckets, and, and we're doing things right if we do that. Um, one is academic. Yes, we are student athletes. We are here to get the education, get the degree, and go do something great with it. Um, and then the other three are in, in any interchangeable order, but but athletic success, obviously wins and losses are, are pivotal. Um, social success, how you're going to act out in the community. Um, and then financial success is huge. Are we are we raising money? Are we, uh, you know, are we spending correctly? Um, small colleges come with finite budgets and uh, we need to, um, we need to be sensitive to that. University is your is your best donor to that program, so you got to treat it responsibly. Um, when we're looking at coaches, though, what we wanted was was strong academic, um, you know, a, a strong awareness of of why academics is important, mm-hmm. um, and then truthfully, like we're going to act right, and we're going to go out and win. And, and those are the things that we've done. I'm 
extremely excited about uh, about men's basketball coach Jordan Ashton. Comes to us from from Iowa Wesleyan University. Um, unfortunately, he had to go through something that I had to go through, um, but but he had to go through it as a, as a professional. I got to go through it as an eight year old kid, and um, you know my dad was a a coach at Marymount College when uh, when Marymount shut its doors, and, and Coach Ashton had to do the same up at Iowa Wesleyan. That uh, misfortune is our blessing. He's going to bring about six of his guys with him. Um, the recruiting class is strong. We are extremely excited uh, about the hardwood this year. Um, and, and we've got a couple of games that are, that are going to be played out there in Kansas against KCAC schools. So I'm excited to get back home, excited to see what a guy who was 27-3 and three last year can do. Um, we also hired a new bowling coach that's uh, – been to the the NAI championship match I think three or four times in his career so um, we've we've surrounded other winners by uh, we've surrounded winners with other winners um, and it's it's going to be a very exciting year that's it certainly sounds exciting I mean you you have a a full fall I guess before you really get the to see the on-field product but you've got a lot of other sports that'll be successful here starting in the next month or so Uh, but I did I thought of this I should have asked before I asked you about the other coaches that you've hired but um football stadium like is is yeah. there one in the works are you working on trying to figure that out I saw you put some feelers out for some some surfaces mm-hmm. so like maybe some turf projects in the future but uh is there a stadium in the works there for your your yeah so so step one to the facility was the the request for uh, request for qualifications among uh, turf providers. Those came in on Friday. We're evaluating those. We will make a um, we'll make a decision on that um, later this week. Who our vendor will be, and and the goal when you're when you're looking for a turf um, provider is that there's somebody who can also provide you with that stadium down the road. Um, we need to be prepared and go out and and ask and be. Um, be an institution that can show off our, our grandiose plans for a great facility uh, while at the same time, you know, kind of have it in our back pocket. Okay. This is what we need to do to be playable because we want to play games on campus. So there's kind of two iterations of, of um, you know, what we, what we want to do. Um, and one is to, to be basic and be playable and, and still have something our student athletes will enjoy uh, playing in. And then the other side is, is that stadium that's, uh, really going to knock your socks off, and and we'll end up somewhere in the middle of those, which with, with a goal of progressing toward that, um, you know, that stadium that's going to be fun. We've got some, we've got some real great community support. Um, you know, you you have to think about these things, and one, we have to think about a, a one year plan because we're one year away from needing a, a facility that's playable. Um, but then the five, ten, fifteen, like it's it's uh, you're you're in it for the long, playing the long game on this thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think uh, alumni graduating today, when they come back 15 years later, they're going to come back a lot, a lot more in between then. But when they come back and look at the thing in, in 5, 10, 15 years, it's, it's going to be, man, we were, the, we were the cornerstone of this thing. Well, that's certainly that's big plans and a lot of work. So I know you've you've got your wheels turning on all of that. But uh, yeah. before I let you get back to the the fun stuff of, of all of that and getting it all squared away, I've got a few fun questions for you on the way out, Steve. So let's start with this, okay? Of all the golfing that you've done, and I know you've played some pretty cool places here recently. What is yeah. the most fun course you've ever played? Oh my goodness. Um, 
Well, I got to I got to keep it in the state of Kansas, to be honest with you, and it's, it's fresh in my mind. Uh, but if you have not played Firekeeper over in the Topeka area, north of Topeka, um, that is a that is a PGA quality course. I'd say my other favorite course I played is the National Golf Club of Kansas City, which is a Tom Watson design, and um, got to coach a lot on that course. And, and it's uh, no no detail spared on that golf course. I like that. I've ne- I've never played either. I get uh, like nervous. Because I'm not good enough, I don't feel like I belong on some of these courses. But we're getting to the point where I might have to get a little bit more adventurous. But the next thing yeah. is that uh, you, you, with the football thing, you you've been talking about some maybe some new logos and some new looks. How much have you put your hands on that, and what is your vision for the the new Owls logo there at William Woods? You know that is something that is um, it's it's I wouldn't say it's quite to the start line of in the works. Um, but it will be, it will be a part of our, uh, part of our brand going forward. Our, our logo has been one of the kind of strong points of, of, uh, of the NAI. I mean, it's, it's been around and recognizable, so we don't want to, you don't want to totally, um, rip it apart and start anew, but, uh, it is definitely time for a refresh. And, um, I think you'll see, you'll see some of that with, with the advent of these new sports. Um, there will be, uh, something coming down the road, coming down the pipe later this year. Okay, I, are you much of a graphic designer? Are you the one that can put it together, um, or do you have to to oh, hire that out? No, <laughs> that is a talent for 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 other people. That is not me. <laughs> I know what I like, and I know what I don't like, and sometimes what I don't like is actually what resonates with people. So um, I'll trust the the professional eyes on that one. Okay. Maybe a year or two down the road, though, we'll hear a story about how you drew a logo on a cocktail napkin, and that became your logo, much like the Chiefs logo today with Clark Hunt. That's right. That's right. I'll have a concept, and it'll probably look like a stick figure. All right. The last thing that I have for you, you mentioned that we're going to have you and, and your school playing some competition in the Kansas area. When is that, and when can we see you guys in action? Uh, that is, I tell you what, our basketball schedule will be out um, in the next probably two weeks. We've we've got um, some contracts that are still to be signed, uh, but I will tell you that there are um, as many as four KCAC institutions. Don't want to don't want to give them away yet because signatures aren't on the contract. But uh, four KCAC institutions and one in Oklahoma. So we'll be coming west um, quite a good bit here in the. Um, excuse me, it's five KCAC institutions now, so I forgot about one. But, yeah, it's um, – so So we – in the NAI, you want to play inside of what's called your ARC, um, mm-hmm. which, which you know, uh, area ratings is, is really important. Um, and for us, that's the Heart of America Athletic Conference and the KCAC. We're in the American Midwest Conference. So we need to play those games to, to earn ARC rating. Um, we will play – uh, the better teams in in the arc. It is uh, our, our schedule is going to be exciting. I can't wait to put it out. Well, that's touching on all the things that an AD does, and where you wear many hats. So, building a football program, uh, graphic design of logos, scheduling, all the fun stuff in there. But Steve, thank you so much for for shedding some light on all of this. We miss you around here, but it's really cool to see all the great things you're doing out there in Missouri. Hey, thank you, Jackson. And to all my friends in Salina, man, I, I miss y'all and uh, I keep doing great things. What a great community. 
It is. It's great, and I'm I'm lucky to get to talk to great people like you about it. But again, Steve Wilson, Athletics Director at William Woods University here on In the Zone. As we wrap up the show today, we'll be back tomorrow just after 5 here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.